This is the Skies Blue Podcast. Well, welcome to a special Curse of Maidenhead uh, podcast from the Sky is Blue crew. That's me, Phil Shilley, Daryl Carpenter, Paul Fisher and Stuart Basson. Well, we've all got that dreadful fixture coming up, haven't we, this weekend? Um, did I say Maidstone? I did say Maidenhead, didn't I? You, no, you said Maidenhead, Maidenhead. Maidenhead yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, well, we'll start again because I've just suddenly thought, <laughs> did I say it wrong? Okay. Here we go, okay. false start. Welcome to the Curse of Maidenhead podcast. Well, it's really Sky is Blue with me, Phil Tooley, Daryl Carpenter, Paul Fisher and Stuart Basson. But with that fixture that Chesterfield never seemed to do anything of any consequence coming up and the Sparrow's neck and neck with Woking in third place. It's it's a big game for the one, the fixture that you look forward to the absolute least. Let's just start, start off with Maidenhead. Are we going to throw that curse away, Daryl? Four times we've been down to York Road. Three defeats and a draw. Never scored first. Never been in the lead. Never looked like winning. Lost noses. Gained dweebs. Not a place to go, is it? No, and we'll probably lose at least 6-0. And I'm saying that... <laughs> I, I hope that's as good as your last project. Well, that's exactly why I've said it, Stuart. That's exactly what I've said <laughs> And, and I want to apologise to the entire Spyrite nation now, on record, in the first minute of the pod, for my prediction of 10 wins in a row. Because clearly, it, it didn't go exactly to plan. So, uh, getting back to Maidenhead, yes, we're going to get absolutely slaughtered, Phil. <laughs> but with two consecutive... Uh, oh, sorry, three consecutive victories, isn't it? Uh, uh, and another seven in the league. We could end up with 10, Daz. Well, yes, but I'm saying nothing. <laughs> Here endeth the pod. <laughs> and, yeah, what makes it worse, Paul, as well, you you and I have been a, on a fair few occasions down there, is from a press point of view, the facilities aren't A1, are they? They, oh. they? they give you desks, but they're just about the same angle as the Eiger Mountain. And if you know what that looks like, <laughs> it's almost vertical. I think somebody one day sort of said, I think we need some PowerPoints in the press box. So, oh, how many do you want? Oh, about 16. So somebody put 16 in all in the same place or the other side of a walkway. So, you know, if you want to get use of the PowerPoints, you have to drag your wires across where people walk or and then they're quite high up, so they're not even on the floor. So it's not necessarily being thought through well, has it, Paul? No, not at all. If you've got a uh, if you've got a laptop, then if you could flatten it down with a screen facing you and the keyboard uh, along, so it's high uh, at a vertical angle. That's how you've got to write your match reports as well. So good, <laughs> good luck to those people trying to do that, Liam at Norcliffe, um, and the and the club representative, whoever whomever that may be. 
But yeah, as Phil says, you need a 10 meter extension cable just to plug uh, plug something. Uh, you know, you're powering for your for your stuff. So uh, yeah, no ICDN, um, and we're on Zoom. So on Saturday, well, I am. Phil's uh, obviously via Tinterweb, aren't you as well? So yeah, 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 yeah. Well, my fa- my family's going down uh, there, and they're in the posh seats, and I think you get lasagna, uh, but a free bar before kickoff so uh, mm-hmm. yeah, they'll, they'll they'll no doubt uh, well they'll no doubt get, get into financial difficulties after <laughs> my daughter's partner Aaron's been on that <laughs> <laughs> well when you get in what is it about a hundred or so um, sorry about a thousand fans or whatever it is like, so you can chuck away a free bar can't you so you're not really let, lose anything no absolutely right anyway let, let's let's start off with looking at about how things have been Stuart, because Saturday's victory, which was uh, against FC Halifax Town, the 12th home win of the season, which equals the amount of home victories that Paul Cook got in the 13-14 championship season, and you know previously won at Woking in a in an <coughs> extremely good performance the week before, and it's just a decent run now, five wins and a draw in six since that nine winless games. It's really got the, the, the club back into that mix for third place. Yes, we're, we are, you know, doing what the traditional playoff winning side does, which is hitting form at the right time, you know. Um, if we can continue a mixture of more wins than draws for the rest of the season, we're, we're going to be um, flying, really. We'll... we'll probably secure that third place if we do that which will give us a short rest period um until we have to take on a bromley or a boreham wood or someone like that at home you know and then we're off because to compared to last season compared to last season's playoff mix okay. uh Stuart, let you know hopefully we'll get into third place but the good thing is you've not got a long wait i think it was about three week wait or something like that for for a game last season, wasn't it? Because of the mm. scheduling and everything. But the, the eliminators are the Tuesday, Wednesday after the end of the season and then the semi-finals of the week after that. So well, that's... you're straight into it. So mm. so if you are winning matches at that point in time, you're raring to go. Well, you keep a certain momentum, don't you? That was always the big danger of finishing in second or third is that you had a week off, which is good from the player recuperation point of view, but from keeping things ticking over... It is a bit of a disadvantage, really. You know, but and, but if they've Paul, compressed look, it all like that, then so much the better. And Paul, looking at the remaining fixtures for Chesterfield and, and Woking, um, statistically, Chesterfield have got slightly the easier run in. Their average position for their opponents is just, just shy of 15th. Woking's is just shy of 12th. Both teams play three teams out of the top 10. We've got Dagenham away, Bromley away, Eastley at home. Woking have got Barnet, which uh, is Tuesday, this Tuesday uh, night. Notts County away from home. Solihull in the in the last match. Um, so, yeah, it was slightly easier running for for Chesterfield. Both have got four games at home and three games away. Do you think Woking have got the strength to uh, slug it out, blow for blow? Well, they made a couple of signings, didn't they, to uh, to bring in. Um... Uh, to help them on the, on the uh, transfer deadline day, didn't they? Just to bolster their squad. Um, from what I saw, um, I think it'd be a good game because uh, by and large, the, the way it's going to go, chances are we'll do well to avoid Woking in the either the eliminator or the semi-final. It's 
it's looking like Woking that Chesterfield will play um, either home or or away. So it, it, it just depends in that semi final. Um, so um, uh, the, the, there isn't much to call between the two sides, even though Chesterfield deserve to win at uh, at their place, and we'll touch on that, I guess, in, in a bit. But just looking at it, it's such a fine fine margin. You tomorrow night, ideally. I suppose you either want a Barnet win or a draw. Uh, maybe a draw would probably be favourable, even though even though Woking would go a point ahead, but they'd lose that game in hand, where Chesterfield would have a game in hand at home against Torquay, um, which would be more of an advantage for the you know for Chesterfield then, wouldn't it, um, going forward? So um, I'm just a bit worried about it. Might be all on that Bromley away game for the for Chesterfield. So I, I'm just worried about that game. And Bromley, of course, could be still in the playoff mix or, yeah. or or not by not by then. But Daz, the the sort of nadir of the season almost was that Woking home defeat, three one two nil down in what eight minutes or so was it? And an absolutely mm. dreadful first half. Mandeville scored early in the second half, but Woking never really looked like conceding a a second goal. So what's the difference between Woking away, or sort of Woking at home and Woking away? Is it simply just Colclough's got into it? And subsequently, uh, Dallas has come into the fray as well. Is it as simple as that? And I, th- I thought our attitude was poor that night. They came out of the traps, clearly wound up, chasing everything down, pressing us all over the pitch, which is pretty much what we did to them at Woking in reverse. It was like, oh, well, we know what they're going to do now. We can deal with it. Whereas at home, we seem to go in. Well, we were just off the pace from front to back, every position. I think we had a couple of decent opportunities first half at 2-0. Colclough had a good shot turned over by the keeper. I think we had another couple of half chances that, you know, would have been way against the run of play because every time they broke on us, it, it was like it was like a charge of the light brigade, wasn't it? Yeah. And, uh, and uh, we, we'd nobody, nobody at all on the day that actually played up to their usual sort of seven or eight out of ten. Um, it was a shocking performance. And I think when you look back at the reaction of the crowd, I know Cookie made a particular point of this uh, on several occasions, how, how he'd been disappointed with the reaction of the crowd. But I couldn't believe how bad we were for a game of that magnitude. We just weren't at it at all. And, uh, and the crowd reaction was no surprise, really. And to turn on his head, Daz, it was exactly the opposite at their place um, recently, wasn't it? That that that's yeah. as comfortable a one nil away win against your most direct rival that you could ever hope for. Yeah, I, I, I I'm a bit more confident than Paul if it comes down to a battle between the two of us, whether we meet him down there or at our place. I think we have learned the lesson of what happened and. It was clearly shown in the second game that man for man were a far, far deeper squad than they are. I mean, apart from the Amon chance, which was arguably off onside, but a tight one, wasn't it, in the second half? They didn't trouble us at all, apart from those few corners just before half-time. I mean, they were second best all over the pitch. And had we taken a quarter of the chances, we'd, we'd have got three or four, wouldn't we? Um, so it, it was... Yeah, it, it was it was it was such a chalk and cheese kind of performance from us, 
Uh, I, I don't think they necessarily played any different to what they did at our place, but we were just shocking on that day at, at home. Absolutely awful. And on the Amman chance that well, it wasn't a chance, it went in, flagged offside. But for once this season, the whistle was instant, the flag was instant, and Fitzsimons made no attempt to try and get the ball because, you know, no. I'm not saying he could have got it, but he made no attempt because the foul or the offside was given instantly. It was probably the quickest offside decision there's been this this season, and it was straight away flagged up. So the whistle had gone long before the ball actually hit the back of the net. So who knows? Who, yeah. who knows what would have yeah. Um, come about it there, but but I I've got a view, Stuart, on on that. That the way the game went and us not taking the chances, I think that did us a favour because it meant that we had to be absolutely on it for ninety minutes in a pressure situation against your closest rivals. If playoffs aren't that, what are they? So it, you know, if we'd have been three nil, they'd have been beaten. We'd have been coasting. No pressure points. As it was. They didn't feel as though there were pressure points, but you're only one goal in front. Mm. Yeah, I, 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 I couldn't watch the game um, <laughs> at all because I, while it was in progress, I was stood outside um, a place called Forbidden Planet on Shaftesbury Avenue in London, waiting for my <laughs> son to come out with manga books. Um, <laughs> but that was through a prior commitment. Um, but it just sounded as though, you know, listening to you, that we were in so much control all the way through it. Um, and as you say, I wonder if just you know the lead being one nil and still being comfortable um, kept us on our toes a bit more. They say two nil is the most dangerous lead in football, don't they? Um, you know, uh, so I, I I quite like the idea that you put forward there that you know it it made us concentrate all the way through the game from sort of from the moment we took the lead until the final whistle. Um, and I, just on what I hear and what I've read, it seemed to be among the most comfortable, if hard-working, but comfortable victories that we've had all season in terms of chances to the opposition and and, and, you know, and the way we sort of neutered their threat um, and all of that. Yeah, and and the point you made earlier about you know what changed between the two games, I I think that you know Colclough coming good. And and Dallas and McCullum coming in to to strengthen the side is the difference because it lifts the rest of the side. The rest of the side can, we are playing slightly differently, I think, in that you know everybody's not kind of pushing up so much as they used to. So you know the 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 way that we were were done on the counter um, quite a lot earlier this season. There's less chance of that now, um, you know, because we're a bit more. Not necessarily direct, but we get it forward more quickly now, you know, because we've got assets that can capitalise on that. Um, but it's just seemed to me, as I say, listening to you stood in the middle of London, that it was one of the most comfortable victories we'd had all season. Mm. And, and as the point that Stuart's just raised there about the fullbacks not quite pushing so forward, forward quite so much, is down to Colcliffe and Dallas because they're the creative arms of the the new look team aren't they whereas before it had to be jeff king and either bailey clements or brandon horton busting down busting down the left hand side and just as well and i throw into this mix a little bit more in that for the first time since he signed from chesterfield jeff king has gone six appearances without getting some form of card and that may be because he's not out of position so much chasing back trying to have to catch people i know a lot of his cards are for chelp and all that sort of stuff but you know it, i think it's no coincidence that all of a sudden 
because he can concentrate more on defending because Dallas and co are providing that threat that he's not under pressure as much. And well, the same thing that will make Palmer and the grounds look better as well. Mm. Yeah. I think it's a combination of things. There was no doubt. I think when, when he brought Lawrence in, it, it was almost in desperation because he was clearly sick of being caught out down that our left-hand channel. And, and Clements less so than Horton, but they've both been culpable over the majority of the season. That's where teams were hitting us down that channel. And I think he just said to Lawrence, come in and don't go bombing forward. Just give the ball to Colclough and let him do what he does. But you don't need to go underlapping, overlapping, wandering free, uh, <laughs> doing whatever you need to do. Uh, just you know, drop effectively into a three, which is what they've been doing at the back. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and then, be it Shackelford or King, and I have to say, I think Shackelford's the most unlucky player on the books at the minute not to be playing, because Jeff's not really been playing very well for a number of weeks now for me. Uh, and Shackelford was really solid uh, defensively and also very good going forward. I mean, the performance he put in at uh, South End against their danger man was it bridge the, the winger um never gave him a kick it, it was terrific so i think it's a combination of saying say to lawrence come in sit you don't need to do all the you know daft runs and getting beyond people and all that stuff drop into a three whenever any, we've got the ball on the right hand side just drop into a three and we'll go from there and i think Having got the new attacking weapons he's got, as Stuart says, you can play the ball up to McCullum, he'll hold it. Uh, and if it gets in back to Dallas, he can beat a man, but he's also got vision. Uh, he's got the pace to go past the, the main striker, which we've not had, you know, all season really. And Colclough's absolutely on fire now, he's settled, isn't he? I mean, mm. he's a cut above this division, probably a cut above the division above, in truth. Paul there, as, as Lawrence Maguire blotted his copybook and got the sniff of success, providing the assist from the edge of the 18-yard area for Banks's header on Saturday, has the season crumbled because he's realised that going forward he can do something. Yeah, exactly. I think, um, yeah, that's that's one to add, isn't it, for the uh, the assist list? I mean, uh, yeah, he's not supposed to be doing that, is he, uh, of course? Um, that's supposed to be Colclough's job, isn't it, uh, doing that? Um but yeah, what a, what a cross, and he's got further forward as the the games have gone on, um, and provided just this sort of barrier, hasn't he? Uh, I think that they wanted to be a little bit more defensive minded, um, and you know, picking Lawrence is exactly what they've got at left back, even though it's perhaps not his favoured position. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been steady Eddie, hasn't it, since he came in? And um, was that against Wilston? Was it the we think we're, the thing is we, we're not really sure if he came in against Gateshead because none of us took our binoculars to absolutely check <laughs> who those, who those little I was dots close were running you. around yeah <laughs> I was closer than you by the tunnel I think somebody came out with a number six on his back I think so yeah something like that anyway I'll tell you what it's and, and, yeah and you know, if you read some of the comments on message boards and social media and everything along those lines, in that run of nine games without a win, the best 
central defender we had was always the one that wasn't playing? Was it harsh on the combination of Grimes, Palmer and Williams? Or was that just a function of being too gung-ho down the uh, the fullback roles? That's you, Paul. Oh, it's me, sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think he was. I think um, he wanted. Um, it seems to be he wants to sort of Horton and and Bailey Clements to be a little bit more attacking, but not get caught defensively. So it seems to be caught in a sort of rock and a hard place with those two because they are excellent going forward. Um, whereas Lawrence is a, obviously a little bit more defensive mind, as being naturally a defender, uh, not expecting to to bomb on, which, like we've touched on, it goes against what he did on, on, on Saturday. Um, but I think Daz touched on it as well, that, that Loz can just slot into a back three if you want Jeff King to push further forward, you know, for example, and leave Ryan Colclough as a sort of left-hand side. So it's, it's an interesting change with that amount to go. And I wonder how he was persuaded to, to do that because... Lawrence Maguire, not even, you know, he'd made one start against Colville in the FA Trophy. So who who plugged in that idea to, to make him change that scenario? Because it's proper left field, isn't it? If you've isolated a player by not selecting him um, and then from out of nowhere bringing him in. And it, it, I know that every every player that we've, we've interviewed, Phil, has touched on how professional Lawrence Maguire is and has been by turning up to training, not moaning, for example, being there, being still part of the squad um, and not just a drinks carrier. And, you know, he's ready to play when asked upon. And that, that to me, is a perfect professional. And we've, we've had the conversation before, Paul, about may, maybe, maybe Lawrence has got characteristics that don't suit your average National League match, but he's certainly got characteristics that suit the Football League. Well, yeah, I think it's a um, a slower game. It's not as hustle and bustle. You can see the difference uh, still in League Two, uh, but Chesterfield, and by and large, I'd say Woking in there, um, Barnet, maybe Barnet, maybe uh, not so much Eastley and Boreham Wood. They seem to be identical National League sides, um, but get a very effective sides but certainly the top five uh could play football in league two no problem yeah does looking uh, um we've, we've touched on dallas and colcliffe and, and mccallum but let, let, let's just look at those three because okay the, the, the we were still losing when um uh, when colcliffe came in but McCallum and, and Dallas have come in a little bit later, and, and some of the performances have been better. What, what you, we talked about some of the strengths, but what do you think it's made to the dynamic of the team on on the day? What changes do you think it's made to the dynamic on the day? Um, <clears throat> we get back to the old or, or the fast becoming argument: who's better, Quigley or McCallum? But for me, McCallum is is a proper target man holds the ball up um doesn't get involved in the nonsense argy bargy stuff just seems to relish the physical battle and wins it most of the time um he's better with the ball than joe um he's got more appreciation of people around him i think than joe um 
and he's linking the play. And now he's got pace going beyond him in Dallas and Colclough. Um, I think that's that's enabling us, particularly when we come up against teams a little bit like Halifax did and other teams have done it with the low block to actually work openings because we've got a quicker interchange with the man at the top and then we've got runners going behind him. So I think, I mean, Colclough's performances of, of the last few weeks have been outstanding for me. Left foot, right foot, cutting in. Um, he's got an eye for goal. He can cross a ball. I mean, he had that that poor kid at um, Woking on toast, didn't he, the fullback? He, he must have still been having nightmares about him last Tuesday, I think. Um, you know, walking up in, waking up in a cold sweat. Um, and he's just... We, we all knew from reputation, he's played in the Championship um, fairly recently. Um, you don't do that if you haven't got ability. And clearly, Cookie... Cookie has got inside his head. Now he's been there a few weeks and settled. He's probably one of the best players in the entire National League. And I don't say that lightly because there's some talent in there, but I haven't seen many better in our... And, and to add to it, he's strong. He doesn't get pushed off the ball, does he? He's not like a traditional no. winger, a Kevin Ely type. He's a, he's a strong lad as well. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's a fair size on him. He's... he's um, He's clearly as fit as a butcher's dog, as, as the old adage goes. And, uh, yeah, he's strong. Um, and I also, I quite like he's got a little bit of, um, he's a bit feisty. Uh, he's a winner. I think he's a born winner. Uh, and you need you need as many of them in your team as you can get. And, uh, yeah, we need to keep him fit for the next uh, six weeks or so, and I think we'll be okay because uh, he, he's that important to us. He's a completely different player to Dobra. Um, and aren't we lucky that, you know, we've suddenly found ourselves in a position where Dobra's out the side for any length of time and we're still winning football matches, which wasn't the case quite a few times earlier in the season. So, yeah, he's he's been a revelation. And Dallas, I think we all knew what we were getting with Dallas. I think that's quite an astute... Mm. Signing. I understand yeah. we've been trying to get him in for some weeks before Solihull finally relented and realised he wasn't going to stay with them. Uh, and they'd kind of written off the season because uh, they let Barnett go to Rex <coughs> as well, I think, didn't they? And as mm. well as Dallas Tours. Um, and I think it's a perfect arrangement because the kids clearly got flair. He can carry the ball. Um, He's missed one or two, but he's all he, he's a finisher. I think he's as, as decent a finisher as there is at this level. Um, and that was a great deal for us to bring him in so that we could have a real good look at him, almost sell the club to him and say, well, look, you know, we know we want to play football league, but you can help us get there. And if we get there, you know, there's no reason you can't stay and do it with us. So, yeah, it works all the way around with uh, with Dallas. And, uh, and as I say, Cole Clubs have been exactly what we thought he might be but um, it, it was a quite a slow start but now he's in the swing of things God I wouldn't like to come up against him You mentioned about the uh, Woking right back on toast funnily enough in the commentary on 1866 Sport on Saturday Jamie Hewitt sort of said Colcliffe had got their right back yeah. on toast who of course was uh, Tyler Golden so yep. it led to just a moment that I could instantly say, and I hadn't thought of this before, but of course he's shredded, Golden is shredded. 
on the toast. So, you know, you, you need to understand marmalade to get that. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a sort of a Paddington sort of reference. Right? Yeah. And <laughs> um, Stuart, with what mm. Daz was just sort of saying there about, da- about Dallas and the finishing nature, if you were picking a team now for the first playoff game, would you play Dallas as the Owen Doyle role as the one striker up front? or McCallum, or Quigley. Assuming everybody's fit, because, you know, I, I think when Dobra came on as sub on Saturday, that was the opportunity to push Dallas further forward. And I know it only lasted 14, 15 minutes or whatever it was because of Dobra's subsequent tight hammy. Hmm. But do you think the season will finish with Dobra as the one and Mandeville, sorry, as uh, Dallas as the one, Dobra, Mandeville and Colcliffe behind? Um, I don't know. I don't know. It, um, it didn't last very long on Saturday, unfortunately, did it? So, so we couldn't really tell. How One goal was, was scored, and it was a cracker. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know, really. I don't know if you, you don't want to leave any of them out, do you? What a dilemma! What a <laughs> dilemma that man's got, Paul Cook. You know, what an absolute back dilemma. in training this week as well. So well, a, yeah, another, yeah, you know, he option. can play that sort of role, can't he? You know, but it's better than the 2015 uh, League One semi uh, playoffs, isn't it? Going in with no strikers. Oh, good lord, yeah, yes, yeah. that's true. Yeah, that's um, true. would I do it? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> well, I've, I've got a feeling for our first playoff matches, everybody's fit. Dallas will be the man up front, right? Yeah, that's my right. prediction. What do you think, Paul? Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's uh, urging towards that little bit of formation that he wants to play, and he'll probably have. I don't know. Is there any change in the sub rules for uh, the playoffs? I can't remember. There's no extra extra sub. No, so, so he's got a dilemma to pick between Quigley and McCallum uh, as the one striker as the option, and he'll probably go with McCallum to be fair. And it might be a bit harsh on on Joe. Um, in actual fact, but you know, at the end of the day, he hasn't scored since Boxing Day. You've got to put the ball in the back of the net, haven't you? Really, if you want to be a striker, that's. Uh, I know it's cruel, but he. I know, and he plays. You know, he just tries best, and he works hard. Mm-hmm. And uh, but from what McCallum has shown in the brief time that he's been here, he's just got that little bit extra, I think, and it makes yeah. a big difference. Yeah, and and you know when you are playing as a one striker, Stuart, it does. You do notice the the, the not scoring a high amount of goals. We can look back to latter days of Saltergate and the hero that Steve Fletcher became. But mm. you know, he only scored four goals in the one <laughs> season that he came. But he got Jack Lester yeah. next to him. Well, absolutely, absolutely. And and if you play the right way with that sort of player. You know, and you do have players around him that can feed off him and put the ball in the net. Then, as as a as an attacking unit, you haven't got a problem, have you? But um, you know, we we we're always looking for someone who can do everything and score. You know, um, and and those players are are very rare indeed. Um, it would be hard luck on Joe. Um, it, if if we play one up front and we start with Dallas and we have McCallum on the bench, we're not going to have you know, McCallum's replacement on the bench as well, are we? I mean, you know, we're probably not going to have a goalkeeper on the bench, um, so we can't have two sort of target men. Um, you never need a goalkeeper sub in a playoff match, do you? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, Daz, in in terms of the the rest of the season, four home games left, three away games, which we mentioned earlier on. Just how important was that win against Halifax from a chin up point of view, from a confidence point of view? Because away from home, they they got going at Gateshead. Gateshead, uh, decent performance. Really, really great performance at Southend United in the circumstances because they were on fire at that time. That was the first, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that was the start of their run that, that they've had. Bad. Then the 4 0 at, at Wheelstone, comfortable, comfortable. 1 0 at Woking, comfortable, comfortable. Uh, but just couldn't get those three points out. So, just psychologically, how important was the win over Halifax? I think it was massive, both for the team and for the supporters because um, the atmosphere during the bad run have been quite toxic uh, at home and, and the, the supporters were turning very, very quickly. With the exception of the Woking game where I thought we deserved any abuse we, 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 we got from the terraces that night, um, I do think a lot of supporters had turned far too quickly against the team uh, mm. in some of the other games, uh, unjustifiably. I mean, the Knots game, if we look back at that, how on earth we've lost that match, I do not know. Um, in fact, how how we've not beaten them twice now, I do not know. Yeah. We've got one how we've not been wrecking twice as well. Well, quite, quite, Phil, because, um, yeah, we, we went to sleep for the first 10 minutes um, at Wrexham, um, not picking up third man running for, for was it the first goal and um, but how many chances did we create and I mean we talk about McCullough being a better finisher than Joe which I know he is but how on earth he missed that one in the first half yeah um, mm. that, that came across the box and went between his legs I'm not entirely sure uh, and then the uh, the save by Rob Lainton who again I'm I'm sad to hear has has got another quite serious yeah. injury. Because he's a really outstanding goalkeeper, but that save he made from was it Colclough's diving header, and then how we didn't get mm. the penalty for Jeff King coming in for the rebound. <laughs> well, you just shake your head in disbelief at times, don't you? But uh, yeah, we. Uh, I just thought Saturday was crucial in a lot of ways. We didn't play brilliantly, but we did a really professional job. Scored at a great time. Uh, I mean, we after the first. 10 or 12 minutes, it was getting a little bit tetchy in the crowd again. We were struggling, weren't we, to just get a foothold in the game and they were being quite adventurous for Halifax because they don't score many goals. Um, but we, we gradually got a grip on the game. Banksy could have had two before he scored, couldn't he, quite easily. Mm. Uh, and we had a number of other sort of opportunities and half chances. So when he put that header away, it was, it was a massive relief. And after that, in all honesty... I never really felt there was anywhere else the three points were going. And and that could just be the springboard now for us to finish off these these last four home games with uh, with good vibes going in. Uh, and I think I think the crowd will be a little bit more patient now because we're on this run. Um it was just a culmination of us dropping further and further and further behind Wrexham and Notts County, whose runs are, are just potty aren't they let's let's face it um and people suddenly thinking we've gone from a chance of automatic to dropping out the playoffs again like we did almost last season um so uh, there was a lot of frustration around the place but i did think that the crowd was toxic 
Um, what was the other game we drew? Was the Oval game in the middle of yeah. the Oval? Yeah, yeah. The atmosphere. Well, well, I think we drew. We were all dying flat. of hypothermia. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was just flat, wasn't it? The whole atmosphere mm. was flat, and everybody that, God bless them, that had gone down to the ground and, and cleared the snow and everything else, you'd have thought the crowd would have been right up for it. And it, it was like a it, it, it was like an eleven uh, eleven o'clock kickoff on a Sunday morning after everybody had been out on the ale. I mean, <laughs> both the crowd and the team, wasn't they? It? it was it was <laughs> it was an odd 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 atmosphere all afternoon that one. Mm. So Saturday, getting back to your original point, Saturday was was crucial, mate. And uh, I think it might might just be the the catalyst to see us have a decent home run into the end of the season. And, and Stuart, the the initiative for the last four home games by four tickets for the price of uh, of three, I'm I'm sure will get the the home contingent of the crowd up to an average that will be the record for Whittington Moor. I was I was looking, but we we're 24 supporters behind, equaling the average home crowd from 10-11, which is the the the, the highest. Home average, which uh, looking at my records is 6,357 home fans only, that is. Mm. And if we'd have got 24 more home fans on Saturday, we'd have equaled that. So, uh, yeah, we, we only need a relatively small increase on uh, uh, um, you know, our, our average this season to to get that, which is remarkable, bearing in mind that we've we've been in a position where we were a couple of games away from getting through to the championship in that run. And we've got more supporters this season than that. How good is that, Stuart? Well, it, it, it's excellent, isn't it? Um, there's, there's no other word for it, really. You know, and the club of, uh, well, the, the, the public have responded very well, obviously. Um, the club have um, responded well as well by, by having initiatives to, to get people in the North stand when, 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 and, the opponents are going to bring less than a couple of hundred fans, you know. Um, and if we can go on doing that for the last four games of the season, plus whatever is thrown at us in the playoffs, then, then you know, uh, we will have that record and we'll deserve to have it, you know. it. Um, but, to, but to say that we're going to be better than the inaugural season in this ground 10 years mm. ago, at, you know, during which we won the championship of the division. There's two seasons in there when we won the championship of the division, isn't there? There's a season in there where we got to the playoffs, you know? Um, it, what, what an achievement that is. Mm. You know? it, it's incredible. And to put it in perspective, and a lot of that will be the ownership and a lot of that will be community <clears throat> uh, initiatives. Of course it will. We all, we all know that. But 1920, the curtail season, which went through to March, you know, it was about now we'd stop playing, wasn't it? back in 1920 and i know the club wasn't doing very well but there was an unpopular ownership the home average this season will be double that <laughs> double wow well wow. it was 3423 in 1920 uh 2019 2020 3423 the home average and we're, we're up to 6780 odd home average right now mm -hmm. the last season at saltergate was 3470 so, you know, it, it shows what the, the effect the new ground has had. But mm -hmm. it shows a popular ownership against an unpopular ownership uh, and yep. belief in the club a lot more. Because it is a lot of that. It's, it's not about where you are. And, and those kids that come in on uh, um, deals with their mums and dads and grandfathers and brothers and sisters and everything, like, like all of us, when you start, 
you know, your first match might be a defeat, but you get hooked. Mm-hmm. You just get hooked. You either don't mm-hmm. get hooked or you get hooked. It doesn't matter what your result of your first games are. You yeah. are and people are hooked and they get mum and dad and everybody to, to want to bring them now. Yeah, and that, it's, that, it's just great to see. There was a bunch of um, Cub Scouts in W7 uh, last Saturday, you know, and, and you see them all trooping in and you think, oh, you know, they're all going to be, you know, no one's going to be paying attention to the game and all that. But they were all fans, you know, they, they all knew how to support and they knew who was who and all that sort of stuff, you know. So they were, so, so people that are coming in and not just coming in because they've got nothing else to do, you know, they are, you know, genuinely the, the people who are going to be paying money to come in in 10 years' time, you know, when, when they're all well, going to go yeah, out and earn a living. Really? Really, scouts, Cub Scouts and Scouts, the natural team that they should such should support, of course, should be Chesterfield, because founder of the Scouts, of Lord Baden Powell, his wife uh, Olaf was a Chesterfield gal, so mm-hmm. uh, part of the yeah. Brampton Brewery owning family. So you know, it's the natural, it's the natural dib 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 dub 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 location in the uh, entire <laughs> world. Dib dib dubra. Oh dear. <laughs> uh, and, and and the crowd on Saturday, Paul. Phenomenal, wasn't it? Yeah, absolute sensational. That's without anybody in the North Stand. And I was telling yeah, other yeah. boxers that oh, they're going to have fans in there and everything like that. And then all of a sudden, so when are they coming in? So uh, <laughs> anyway, they didn't. They didn't come in. <laughs> so uh, uh, you know, there was very very small turnout of uh, Halifax supporters. Uh, uh, completely aghast at their sort of club right now in a, a mm. sort of uh, malaise, aren't they? Right now, even though they've got an FA Trophy final to to look forward to their their league form is just tailing off really and they're looking over their shoulders in actual fact aren't they at present um uh but the crowd for 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 chesterfield this season uh gone above and beyond and i know there's a feel-good factor um around the, around the club at the minute they're owned by the the trust who are all supporters and you know the trust has admitted that they can't financially keep up um, with the the running of the of the club as a full time club, it's a a huge club to operate, isn't it? And they need a bit of need a bit of help, but credit to them, you know, they've managed to go and get that help as well, um, whilst still keeping their community projects going. And and the lifeblood of the club is is what it is. And um, I'm really I'm really I'm really proud that they've they've done that in actual fact. You know, self admitted that look, we've got a a chance here we can get some investment and we, we we can take it as far as we can and let let's let's see how it goes and they've gone out and got chessfield supporters to bring in that investment as well which is just it's just really really good and you know in terms of the attendances there is that feel good factor which brings fans in and i know they're trying to do things for to make attractive for families to come has there been a sort of surge in population in Chesterfield, which is added to the figures? Because there's there's plenty of housing developments being built around uh, around Chesterfield right now. I wonder whether that's had a little bit of an impact, you know, of going supporting your local club if you've you've moved here to commute, for example. You know, um, maybe is that is that something that uh, that could be tapped into? You know, a new new housing estate, put a few leaflets out there. I don't know. I'm not in marketing. We'll talk, about all sorts, we'll talk about all sorts of stuff like that in a moment. I'm just off to the National Statistics Office down in Newport <laughs> to check on uh, housing starts and population <laughs> of Chesterfield, North East Derbyshire and Bolsover.
Well, apparently the uh, National uh, Statistic Office in Newport shuts at uh, five o'clock, so uh, we couldn't get all of the information that we needed on housing starts and the average number of householders per unit uh, currently being built in around, well, you know, I live in Claycross in around Wingerworth. I think there's eight million new houses. Yeah. All the old Claycross works has got new houses on it and everything along those lines. And uh, there's, there's replicated all over the region. But we were touching there on the uh, not ownership issues because the, the the trust is still very much 75% owners of the club. But 25% of the shares, Daryl, have gone to the Kirk brothers, uh, Ashley and, and Phil. Uh, both independently have run successful businesses and made a few bob along the line. Uh, Ash has remained living in and around Chesterfield all that time. Phil moved into moved down to London when he went to university in the 80s, uh, but has kept in touch. The parents are from Chesterfield. They've, they've supported Chesterfield. Um, they've got more pound notes than your average person in the street. But they get the community thing, does don't they? They've they've said publicly that they want to a be here for the long term and b not challenge the ownership of of the trust. Although they have said there'll be some interesting conversations later when they try when they've got the club in a sustainable method, attracting further investment. But breath of fresh air, chances coming in, uh, uh, people will be gone if if the uh, if if we lose a couple of games. What, what's your view on 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 that change, does? Um, absolutely essential. Um, as as Paul quite rightly said, for for us to find two philanthropic local brothers, supporters of the team since they were young boys, uh, still with a obviously a, a huge affinity to the town. Get the trust. Get what it's about. The community aspect. The fact that the the club is the hub and is the is the the soul of the town, which are, are many people I think rightly believe it is. Um, and despite all the travails we've been through in the last few years, that's still very much the case. We wouldn't be getting the attendance as we were talking about earlier uh, if that wasn't still the feeding, you know, for the vast majority within the town. So to get these two guys in with the the success and the and the financial acumen business acumen that they both have is, is a tremendous coup and again you know there were some supporters prior to the agm where they're not sort of criticizing the accounts and the board and the losses and all this kind of thing i i think i i think the trust have been really open with this right from day one when they took over the club if you look back at the the early press conferences and in trust the trust etc um they said you know, we'll take this as far as we can, but we know at some point we're going to need additional investment. Now, whether that's come earlier or later than they thought it might, perhaps accelerated with COVID and perhaps accelerated with one or two decisions in other areas they wish they hadn't made in hindsight, um, irrespective of which, they've gone out uh, and, and found um, what looks like the perfect marriage for the future, doesn't it? And uh, I, for one, am I'm a hundred percent behind them. And you and I, Daryl, are lucky enough to be able to have a a little audience with the uh, the, the the two guys. I think I'm I'm, I'm going to take a little bit of credit on this because I th I think they're in it for the long term. Because down at Wheelston, Phil Kirk went past me and he sort of says, "Oh." 
give me mum Margaret a shout out on 1866, which I did. And then at Woking, <laughs> mum was there at Woking and she was really, really pleased to have got that mentioned. So now mum is on side. Oh, right. So that, that's going to keep it yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, long, yeah. long, long term. Yeah. So, so mum's, mum's if she listens to this time. podcast, Phil? I don't know. We'll have to get it to listen to the uh, podcast. So, but mum's in charge there and she uh, she was very happy with getting a mention. But, you know, they, they were saying, it was hinted at at the, at the AGM, but they, they were sort of saying that at times, not all of the time, at times in the year that the accounts referred to, there was £700,000 worth of talent not playing. Mm. You know, uh, and you also, a massive, massive chunk of your your budget wasn't on the park. Mm. Yeah, so, they, so, they, you know, that's, that's a frustration, isn't it? You know, uh, straight away. You know, even look to last season. Uh, sorry, when uh, we players like George Carline, you know, like out injured you know and just adding adding to an, a name to that you know and shamanga from february you know and that's a lot of wages isn't it you know really over the course of course of it we haven't seen manny oyelecki at all this season and we're unlikely to um so you know he's not on small fry is he uh coming into the club from uh from a league two club he's not going to drop down too much in in wages so uh. You know, he's, he's only made, I think there's something like him, Maniolaki, Danny Rowe and Aquasi Asante have only made something like, top of my head, about 100 league appearances since November 2020 between them. You know, and that's, it's not good, is it? No, no, I, I, absolutely not. And, you know, similarly, Danny Rowe is, is probably up there right at the top of the, the wages mm. tree. We don't know, but we assume that, bearing in mind his history and, and, and everything along those lines. And uh, I, 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 I'm not, Entirely sure it was a Kieran Maguire um, podcast a while ago when they did the top ten earners in the uh, National League and and Row whilst it was done while he was still at, F- at Fylde was mm. tenth out of that ten. The rest of them all played for Stockport and Wrexham, I think. Mm. So just, mm-hmm. uh, and Stuart, you know, looking at the the Wrexham and Notts County thing, I, I saw a tweet earlier on today that Notts County have have passed the total that have won them this league every season they've been in it <laughs> and they might not go up you know well so, yeah yeah we are talking different gravy with those those two for not of not of give their recruitment guys a pat on the back but they've hit, hit the jackpot with um langstaff mm-hmm. and of course Wrexham have just hit the the jackpot well. with people with money that in the National League is silly. And yeah. so, you know, Notts County have, have got a big debt as well behind them, haven't they? So mm. so it, it's it's not fair competition with those two. There's no financial fair play rules in the in the National League. So it's almost impossible to compete with those two, isn't it? Well it, yes. Um in in that respect. I mean Notts Notts have that debt um associated with them but but it's friendly debt isn't it i think uh, but yes. i suppose they all are yeah. until such time somebody wants their money back but at the moment you know the owners seem happy to to have that debt um i'm not yeah i don't know if i'm kind of so aware that knots have been splashing it about like brute on henry cooper you know in the same <laughs> way that wrexham have um if they have been then they haven't been making a song and dance about it i don't imagine langstaff is on you know the same money that you imagine danny Rowe might have been here um you know given where he came from and that it was very much a season which could have gone either way for him you know 
Um, but as you say, come the end of the season, one of those two teams, and it's looking like nuts, are just going to be in the lottery with, with you know, us and Woking and Bromley and and a couple of others. Um, so they're going to have gone through all of that, setting records, breaking long-standing football league records for the highest goal scorer on their books and all of that sort of thing. And as you say, a points total that would have won this league for each of the last 10 seasons, probably by the time they finished accumulating them. Um, and that is going to be quite a thing to process mentally for, for that club and it's, and it's mm-hmm. players and staff, isn't it really? Which you know, Paul, might put Paul, them at a disadvantage. Yeah, Paul, do you have the same view that I hold and that you're desperate for knots to take it to the last day of the season? Because with those players coming really quickly, if you if you've lost out on the last day of the season, you're going to come into the playoffs straight away in a different frame of mind to if you've had three or four matches to know you're in the playoffs and 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 not going up automatically. I desperately want Wrexham to lose at home to Notts County on Easter, whenever it is, Easter Monday or whatever date it is. Uh, <laughs> but for me. One of the potential advantages would be if not so Wrexham fail on the last day. Mm, yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, looking at uh, yeah the scenario, yeah, three p.m. on on uh, Easter Monday is Wrexham against Notts County, same as we're at Dagenham. We'll keep your eye on on that. That's a big game. Uh, of course, it'll be on television as well. Um, not our game, I should add to that. Uh, but uh, they'll have cameras at our game, I think. So uh, well, if it's Monday, we can stream it, can't we? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not Saturday, yeah. Chesterfield's game will be be able to be streamed. Yeah, not Wrexham, mm. not County. Um, right. Yeah, it's a good point um, that there's a there's an argument, isn't there? Yeah, if you finish second in the table, you may not get promoted. A la last season, where Grimsby just came from from nowhere to uh, blitz the playoffs, and every game was away for them, wasn't it? And they uh, they managed to succeed in in that. Um, by Manny Disarube, of course. By Manny Disarube, yeah, who yeah. couldn't play, couldn't even get in the side on Saturday night. Top scorer for Halifax, couldn't even start with him. They started that awful Saving. Rob Harker. So, uh, terrible player he was. So. I think that might have been due to the fact that Harker scored against us at their place. Well, I got that saving, impression. I, I, I thought they, that they, as well. Saving you know, Disarube for the tro- trophy. It was virtually the same team that he played, because he brought back... Uh, Jimmy Somerville, or whatever he's called in mid, Luke Somerville, <laughs> into uh, in midfield, and um, and it was they just played, they were just awful. Anyway, I, I digress. I'm going about uh, Notts County Army. So, so yeah, you want the mood them to be. Um, the benefit that ha- Notts County will have in the semi final is they're at home, and they'll sell ten pound tickets and get twenty thousand fans there, all rightly behind their team. Um, but until they go down, until they go go down, um, mm, they've got twenty thousand people calling them. <laughs> well, exactly. Yeah. But the benefit is, unless <laughs> it's, there's an error by the Spirits, it won't be Chesterfield at Medellin in that semi-final. So, mm. in fact, I don't think it. Unless Chesterfield will drop down the table to fifth. Is it fourth or fifth? Fifth, isn't it? That they. There's only way they can play them if you finish fifth. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, I know you've got your toes out and your fingers out and everything working. That <laughs> no, way. No. Yeah. Well, the fact of the matter is that's why third place is so important, isn't it? That if you yeah. do play Notts County or Wrexham, it's going to be on neutral territory. 
and yeah, uh, yeah that makes a make, makes a big big difference. Of course, it, it does, and uh, yeah, it makes a few quid along the line as well. So no no question about that. But you know they, they have Daz, you know, not not some Wrexham of. It's been a fascinating battle. We, of course, did think we we were in with a shout for quite a long time, and we've proved that we're as good as the two sides, even though we're not taking as many many points off. Do you fear either of them in the playoffs? I want Wrexham up, out of the way, gone, finished, done. Um, they've got a they've got a a robustness, uh, a winning mentality. They don't have to play well to win, whereas I think Knots do. I think if Knots aren't controlling the game, they don't win very often. Um, they had a stumble the other Saturday, didn't they, at Barnet? Where, by all accounts, first half, they battered Barnet. Second half, Barnet battered them. I don't think you get that with Wrexham. They're always in the game. Um, and because they've got the goal threat with even Dolby's chipping in with a few now he's starting, isn't he? And uh, Mullin, Palmer, they've got the, the set-piece thing with the long throws. And I mean, to go out, as they did on Wednesday or Thursday last week, and persuade Ben Foster to come out of retirement, um, that shows how much confidence they've got in Howard. But if you'd seen the goal he conceded at Maidenhead, that was probably his last game for Wrexham, I would have thought. Um, to be able to do that, uh, I want them out of the way. Get get them out of the way. They deserve it anyway. They, they they were very unlucky last year not to do it. They almost chased Stockport down after they'd been on a crazy run, um, and they've been on a crazy run all season this season. So get them out of the way for me. Uh, I'd rather play knots any day of the week. Yeah, both of those sides scored a hundred goals already in the uh, yeah. National League. I suspect there's never been a time when two teams have scored a hundred hundred goals. Uh, they'll both be over 100 points. Wrexham could get their next game, couldn't they? They're on 97. Mm. Mm. Uh, uh, and it has been a, a, an incredible battle at the at the top there. And you've got to assume that yeah, Rex, if Wrexham go up, Notts County will still will be absolute favourites for next season. But would Macaulay Langstaff be still a Notts County player? You've, you've got to ask that question. Of course, we don't know. No. But there'll be a lot of suitors after somebody who's on 39 goals already in just mm-hmm. in the National League. So yeah. they might get a lot of money. Mm. Well, who knows? Does Well, I know Paul had said, you know, there were no necessarily quite as outstanding marquee high money signings that Knotts had made. But if if you think of the likes of Bostock, won't have been cheap when he came in. Levin A. Evans that came on loan would have, would have been paid a fair whack. Um, he's gone back now, hasn't he? He's, mm. he's gone back. Yeah, nice one of Stockport to call him back. Just, just when Nots <laughs> a squid, squad's getting a bit paper thin, I think, uh, and so on. So they, you know, they have made. I don't think Ruben Rodriguez will be on a on a small wage either because they managed to keep him for the last couple of years. So pound for pound, I think they've, they've probably spent more than the fair share. Cameron will be on a bob or two. I would have thought the, uh, yeah. The, uh, the the defender they got from Torquay, uh, so yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be one hell of a battle. I just think psychologically, whichever one of them fails, he's going to have a devil's own job lifting themselves again for a playoff run. Um, I think that's what it did for Wrexham last year. Really, I mean, I know I know that was an extraordinary game, wasn't it? The five four at, at the racecourse that Grimsby won, but 
you know, you you just it has to take its toll after a season like that and a run like they've both had to fall short and have to go again. Eastley versus Chesterfield player final, then it is. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you know, daftor things have happened, Paul. Uh, I still think yeah. it, 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 you know, I've had an inkling for a while it might be us and Notts in the final, and what what a great mm. occasion that would be for the whole of non-league football and and for both sets of supporters, because I think uh, I think I think it'd be a hell of an occasion. Uh, and two two good teams going at it, hammering tongs on a on a uh, on a carpet of a pitch on a sunny May afternoon at Wembley. That's that's about as good as it gets, isn't it? And the ultimate prize, you know, the ultimate prize. Yeah, and yeah, and, that's true. Yeah, and of course, uh, if it is easily. In the final, and uh, you put your money on one nil Chesterfield. That seems to be a pretty regular <laughs> result against Eastley, isn't it? So, uh, uh, yeah, but that, that, that's to go. Will we? Will we make third, Stu? Yeah. Next question. <laughs> <laughs> will yeah. we make third? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we will. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to ask you, Dan. <laughs> No, I, I'm I'm not say nothing. I, I think we'll bomb seventh. out and finish eighth. On seven. <laughs> <laughs> well, the good thing is there's now a gap between seventh and eighth. Quite a big gap, isn't there? And, uh, yeah. and the yeah. teams in sort of eighth and ninth aren't, you know, uh, uh, ironically, Solihull, who gave up on the playoffs and, and said as much in the release yes. after after Dallas went, are in eighth. Mm, so yeah. the team just outside the playoffs had given up on it. Dagen and Redbridge, I think, when McCallum moved and all but given up but they're still 10th so and Bromley a ninth and like I think it was you Paul saying that it might come down to that Bromley away match uh, to, to clinch it which is the penultimate match of course Chesterfield's last two home games are against the teams currently in 23rd and 24th Torquay and Maidstone so you'd assume that well Maidstone will be down well before that I yeah. think yeah. Uh, uh, and there's a good chance that Torquay might be down before that that of course means they play with no pressure which mm. which which helps them, uh, but I tell you what, your last two home games against twenty third and twenty fourth, you'd take any season, wouldn't you? You'd ask, you'd ask for that, wouldn't you? You'd really, I think um, the worst yeah. thing about finishing fourth is you get a home tie in the eliminator, and you just got to go away, do it the hard way, and go away for the semi final, haven't you? So, mm. yeah. um, uh, which would be Woking, wouldn't it? Then in the, in that case, so uh, you, you'd assume that, that would be the. Uh, with, with, with the case, but you know, at the end of the day, we've we've, we've shown of late our award, away form has been good. It's been better than um, our our home form for twenty twenty three. Let's say yeah. nine nine away wins so far this season. Uh, Woking have won ten at home, so our, our away record is the same as Woking's home record, bar a bit of statistical um, normality. Whereas uh, you know, if if you look down to places like Eastley, they they've been at home. They won fourteen at home, which is two more than Chesterfield, but only won five away. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. e- Eastley away would be probably probably as tough as Woking away. Yeah, and and Woking yeah, have just announced the signing of uh, a Polish centre half. Uh, used to be at Sheffield United, so right. um, uh, um, till the end of the season. So um, yeah. so yeah. Uh, it was never, yeah. you know, I, I, there was a rumour that he was linked with us, I think, uh, but uh, I think there was a tentative inquiry at some point, but it never was anything more than that. But, 
But yeah, anyway, he's now working as a exactly. issue. Yeah. Well, there you go. So, okay. Right. Um, have we got any other uh, bits and bobs that we want to talk about before we dry, uh, before we all sit down and start thinking of the horrors of going to Maidenhead? <laughs> yeah. I, are we going to ask first? I've been reading. Oh, it started well, I've, I've been reading some bits on the the various message boards and social media uh, today, um, and there seems to be a bit of a backlash amongst the supporters with with regards to the over eighties and the increase in their season ticket prices. Um, I think they were paying something like seventy or eighty quid. Uh, I think it was less than that. It might have been fifty, but I'm not. It might have been fifty. Yeah, whatever it was, it's mm-hmm. certainly gone up substantially. I think to mid two to three hundreds. Um, and I'm sure, sure, the club have thought about that when uh, it, it was an amazing um, offer that's been on. And I don't know how how many season ticket holders we've got over eighty, but. I'd, is it, is it really something we should be hanging our hat on for supporters who presumably have been watching us many, many years? Um, so I, I think that's a bit of an own goal, if I'm being well, honest. It could have uh, gradually, and, and, gradually increased the costs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and um, I, I, think, I think the rationale behind the change, and this is before the supporters' forum was set up, and that's been our number one... Um, complaints about right. that by a, a country mile o- over right. anything else i think the original were, there were people who were exploiting it to get a cheap ah. season ticket in an elderly relative's name and they didn't necessarily come to every match but other people may do may have done right. um so you know you probably need checks and balances in there but i think mm. it's 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 backfired a little bit uh, uh and also i think there's some of the pricing structure for, for OAPs in the East Stand because the East Stand was always cheaper than the West Stand. Mm. But you know the, the best view in the house is the back row in front of the TV gantry in the East Stand. You know that, that's where you'd pick. Wouldn't it? That's where you'd pick to go, isn't it? Because you can't go there in the West Stand because it's the soft seats. Yeah, but you can in the East Stand, uh, and, and of course you don't get the sun issue at the, right at the back. Of the East End that you do uh, further down. What what row do you sit on the East End? As are you front? I'm in L. I'm in L. We definitely get we get sun, wind, and rain there. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You can't complain about the weather. Then you get whatever it is. You get it. Yeah. And and yes, it's it's certainly been the thing on on the uh, forum, and that's been you know the comments have been passed on from many people to via. Uh, Dr. Paul Stankeld, who's the the director in charge of supporter liaison, and the club very much knows about it. And I think probably this week we'll be uh, um, we'll be making a statement uh, about it. It's not in my control, so I can't absolutely say they will, but I, I believe they will. Good, bad, or indifferent. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. saying that they're going to solve it or change it, but you know, we, we've been trying to persuade them to uh, to actually say what it's all about. And there, ha- there have been a number of meetings internally with that on the agenda. Uh, yeah. I genuinely don't know what the, what what if anything they're no. going to do about it or just say something about it. But I, mm-hmm. I'm expecting that this 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 week, and uh, you know the first drop in of the forum will be on the Thursday before the before Good Friday when we play York Thursday at seven o'clock in the East End. So feel free to to drop in. We will be putting that on some sort of platform as well, 
for if you're not able to go, you'll be able to listen in uh, to that. We've just got to finally decide which is the most appropriate platform to use for that, but it, it will be given in time. So seven o'clock in the East Stand on, uh, uh, I've not got my diary in front of me, so I'm struggling to think. I think it might be the 7th of April, is it? I will. I have yeah, yeah, I found my yeah. It's Thursday the 6th at 7 o'clock. Yeah. yeah, York's on the 8th. Um, so, yeah, feel free to to drop in or, or look at whatever the platform is. But I, th I think you're absolutely right there, Daz, that that's, that's not gone as well as people thought it might have done. So clearly there are quite a few, but it's not hundreds. No. So, you know, it's the, it, it's the old, well, if you price them out in the market, you get nothing. Yeah. But it, yeah. but equally, the club might have to have checks and balances for if people take take the mick a little bit with a £50 season ticket and the the mm. elderly lady or gentleman doesn't come very often. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. you just, you just, that's that's one of the issues with the, the barcodes. You just go in and there's not necessarily any, anybody checking you. And yes. the back is there. Hmm. No, that, that's right. Uh, I do think on, on, on the opposite side of things, the initiative for four payments on standing order um, are a really good idea um, to try and help uh, supporters in, in what yeah. are you know, financially difficult times. Um, you know, in an ideal world, you'd have it paid over 12, but obviously the club are funding this themselves in effect and want the income in before the season kicks off. So I get it both ways. What it what it does mean, of course, is, is as far as I'm aware, no interest payments to, to, to be made on top. So you can't have it both ways. But I think that's a really good initiative that they have brought in. Yeah. And, and just for, as, as you well know, Daz, you, you can't charge interest unless you're registered as a, a lender anyway. So, exactly. Uh, um, exactly. Yeah, they, they won't yep. be able to. The alternative as well, as both you and I know, is save a few quid every week in the credit in the local credit union and draw it out when you need it at the end of the uh, the season to buy yeah. it in one go. But exactly. Um, um, yeah. That's that's a different thing. Uh, and of course, um, one thing that that we've been teasing lately. Uh, is Drew, T Drew, Drew Talbot was awarded a testimonial before COVID. Uh, that all <laughs> went, uh, uh, went south, but we're back on line with that. We'll be announcing a match soon, but the first event is after the Eastleigh game, 7.30 in the uh, lounges in the Technique Stadium at dinner where some of Drew's former teammates and colleagues will be coming for a, a question and answer session to honour the guy. So at some stage this week, the uh, link up will be on the events page of the website to get that. I know it's only two and a half weeks or so to go, but I think there'll be quite a few people want mm. to go and, uh, uh, and honour and chat to uh, Drew, who, you know, hopefully, hopefully for the testimonial match, I'll get it nice and lucky that you know, if town have gone up <laughs> and, 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 yeah. and maybe any potential opponents may have gone up as well. You never know. So it might be a bit of a celebration day. Who knows? <laughs> Paul, have you got any uh, bits and bobs you want to add? Uh, no, apologies that uh, this podcast is coming out rather later than it should have been, uh, but the heavy fixture schedule has uh, rather abated uh, that. Uh, it's a very poor excuse, but uh, we'll have a, a, a much quicker one out for the next time. I Yeah, all these 600-mile weeks, these 600-mile-away weeks. Exhausting, exhausting. <laughs> And a but, few nice uh, but, little uh, bits. But you wouldn't, you wouldn't knock oh. it. I love my job, so it's good. No, so. 
and a few nice little uh, bits and bobs of records. We were talking about subs coming on, scoring and being <laughs> subbed off. Armando Dobra first time, so that's prompted a little bit of subs for subs thing that you put out on cfchistory.com. Mm, yeah. um, the crowd we were talking about there and everything along those lines, 12 home wins already, which uh, uh, you know, if we win the last four, will equal the 10-11 Championship Season Hall of 16. Still a way to go for night. We had a 19-1-1 season, didn't we, back in the uh, in the 30s, which is the, yeah. the, the best mm. home season. Never been unbeaten at home ever in a in a season. Uh, um, but yeah, any any anything else interesting of note, Stu? Um, only just to say that we've been um, going through the whole website thing, which had got a bit slow and groggy over the years, um, and we've changed the way that files now link to the to the sort of pages and the headings on the website um, to try and speed all that up and also make it so that if you're looking at lineups, for instance, you're looking at the most accurate and up-to-date copies that we have. Um, I'd rather let it slip over the years and wasn't updating them because it was such a long-winded round-the-houses process. Um, but now it links directly to a Google Drive um, mm -hmm. And every time I update something on a daily basis, that is automatically uploaded, you know. So so that all works very well now. Um, we're adding bits and pieces to it, adding more biographies to, to, to that section. Um, so that's all, all uh, you know, sort of getting back up to speed now. Um, and, and is hopefully and, and a, a useful resource. Uh, one of those biographies uh, that, that saw the light of day, Recently it was Jerry Clark, the great Jerry Clark, who uh, passed mm. away up at the upper echelons of appearances, but then a little bit like Jim Brown on the club books in other roles for for some considerable mm. Uh, mm. Uh, time. And, you know, I, I always remember him in his tight blue tracksuit. I never saw him play with tight blue tracksuit running on with a bucket and a sponge. Uh, uh, but he was very much a, a part of uh, Chesterfield. Uh, Stuart for a long, long time, wasn't he? He was. He was. We, we seem to be good over the years, don't we, of keeping hold of certain people like that who who are a good fit for this club. You think of Jim Smallwood, and you think of Ollie Thompson. You know, and Jerry Clark was another one whose contribution to to the club was probably as great once he stopped playing as as it as it was when he used to put the mm. blue shirt on and go out and play we found um some footage that was recorded by mm. a friend of his um in the 66 7 season or something like like that if not a bit earlier um which i think peter whiteley is hoping to get um sort of properly smartened up and 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 sort of presented on 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 one of his youtube things so so that's to look out for we're just trying to do research into the games that um the footage features um and, and so of course quite interesting jerry's uh, uh, uh um jerry had relations in in uh, mark mullins and mitch mullins who both mm -hmm. played at uh, apprentice level for for chesterfield and, and mark was involved you know behind the scenes for quite a while as well so it's been quite a legacy mm, yeah yeah it it, it 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 really has um you know he's it he's not a name that, that perhaps leaps, you know, to prominence because it, he 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 was in a position that that was very much sort of defensive and a, and a kind of a nuts and bolts sort of position in the side rather than any of the more glamorous sort of 
um, Charlie Rackstraw type goal scoring positions or whatever, you know. Um, but but you you just have to look upon his contribution to the club with absolute respect, you know, um, for what he did for us over the years. Uh, worked without a contract, of course, when he was was working um, on the coaching side, you know. Um, so could have been got rid of at the drop of a hat and indeed was at one point. Um, came back from a holiday imbued, I think, for the start of pre-season training to be taken into a room and told that he no longer had a job at the football club. Well, you know, mm. it's, uh, how's that for you? Yeah, and I, it, and I, think at, I think at that time, that was when uh, he nipped across the M1 and teamed up Ernie Moss and... Yeah, Kevin yeah, Randall Ernie, and got them into uh, yeah. into the old division. division Went over to too, Mansfield, yeah. didn't he? Suggested to their manager that, that he should reunite Ernie Moss and Kevin Randall, which they did. And the only time they'd ever been in the second tier, you know, <laughs> uh, thanks That's to Chesterfield true, Football yeah. Club. He, he was 100% bona fide a Chesterfield fan, wasn't he, as well as a player? So, yeah, he's... Um, it's Yeah, he was... Uh, we interviewed him for Stuart's book and he was a lovely... Lovely man, like so we really cared about the club yeah. and uh no, and I, I, best for it. In, in uh, when the the Greenan, the uh, Saturday evening football paper, yeah. ceased trading or ceased to be produced by Sheffield newspapers or whatever they call the time, Johnston uh, uh, Johnston Press. Uh, I, I just thought, oh, who can I who can I talk to to get a few lines about that? And I talked to, I think it was Frank Barlow, but I definitely talked to Jerry Clark. And I don't know why I picked Jerry. Don't know. No idea. Can't remember why. Just that he was a local lad and been around a long time. And um, I was just asking him about it, his memories about it. And he just, at the end of the interview, just said, oh, of course. And when I was a lad, I used to deliver it around Barrow Hill. So I thought, well, I couldn't have picked anybody better to have talked about that. He said, oh, yeah, I used to deliver it on a Saturday night around Barrow Hill. And, uh, yeah, I thought, well, do you know what? The, the, the bit bit of uh, coincidence and karma brought me to decide to interview Jerry. And I've still got that very crackly phone interview um, on my computer as well. So uh, uh, it's not. Uh, I, I was thinking about running it when, when he passed away, but it, it wasn't really good enough quality. It was good enough quality to see what he said. But uh, I don't know where our audio's gone, Stuart. Um, I know you had it up there on the site, but I don't know where. Uh, I don't know where. Uh, it's gone. I've got it somewhere, but I don't somewhere. I've got it. Have you? I've got copies oh. of it, yeah. I've kept copies of all of that that we did, or you did for Saltergate Sunset, yeah. yeah. For real. Yeah, Still yeah. got that somewhere. All right, mm. come on, last prediction then. Result at Maidenhead. Daryl's not included in these because he doesn't, <laughs> he's already said we'll lose 6-0 because his predictions are that good. Paul, are we going to do it at last? Are we going to lead there? Are we going to bite our fingernails and come away with three points from York Road? Um. Yes, I think we are this time. I think we have a better team, the best team that we've had going there. They're going to be a real nuisance, though, because they're not playing for anything at all. They lost to Dorking on Saturday. They've got a very workmanlike manager and team. Um, Adrian Clifton isn't playing against us, so that's a good thing. Um, no, no, he's the sub who came on last minute for Boreham Wood, wasn't he? For Boreham Wood, Boreham, yeah, and he's Boreham gone to Wood, Hampton yeah. Richmond on loan, so that's that's quite good. Um, Sparks is always a menace, isn't he, for them? So uh, we'll see. But uh, I think this year will be our year to win at Maidenhead. Yeah, Sparks has been mainly a sub of, of late. He's only mm. started four games all season, but he always seems to do it against us. There's no question mm. uh, 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 about that. Emil, Emil Aqua's the, the lad who's scoring 
a few a few goals for them this uh, this season. And, you know, he's um, he's got a bit of uh, EFL experience with, goals, with, with Southend. It? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and Stuart can can it be our first ever win on the oldest continually used by the same club ground in the world, according to the Blue Flat. Uh, I, I think we will. I think we'll go there and win. Yes, we we just have that that kind of. It, it, it's a bit more than confidence. It, it there's a. I don't know. It just seems to me as though there's a bit of a, almost an inevitability about it. You know that 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 we are going to go and we are going to play well enough to get a win. You know, and then I suppose a certain amount of it is about how the other lot play. You know. Um, because you can play well and the other lot can play better and you can still come away empty-handed. But, uh, you know, records like they have over us are, are meant to be, are made to be broken, aren't they? You know, bogeys are meant to be whatever you do with bogeys. Um, well, I, I, I don't know. You know, things like that don't go on forever, said someone who follows a club that used to go to old clearly what happened, uh, that's times. clearly what happened a, a, a while back trying to get rid of the uh, the bogey bar biting your nose off but uh, <laughs> uh, i now understand it falls into place I mean, but i'm, I'm hoping for a hat trick on saturday uh later on in the night with the family we're going out to a very nice uh, restaurant obviously want the second part of the the hat trick uh to be the win at york road but it's all got to kick off properly by finding a flipping parking spot because it's a man. <laughs> <laughs> parking spot, win, nice dinner, perfect day. Mm. We'll get a bit of Lou Reed on the radio at that mm. point. <laughs> so, anyway, thanks for uh, listening to uh, us all, of four old codgers, uh, rabbiting on about all sorts of uh, stuff. We talked about football, we talked about shareholdings, we talked about uh, opposition, and we talked about getting through to the playoff final at Wembley. So, uh, from me, Phil Tooley, also Paul Fisher, Daryl Carpenter and Stuart Basson. Thanks for listening to the Sky is Blue podcast. Paul has promised that there'll be another one before uh, before too long. He's the only man that knows how to set him up, so uh, blame him. Thanks very much for listening. Enjoy the rest of the season. And if you like this podcast, then don't forget to subscribe. Please rate and review us on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts and many of your favourite podcast providers.